Hello, I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church. We're a church seeking to make disciple-making disciples of Jesus. Thank you to Life FM for continuing to host us. Today, as we look to God's Word, our reading is Acts 8, verses 1 to 25. So you can begin looking that up now. This sermon was recorded live at Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church. After the reading, we'll hear the children's talk. So if you have children, make sure they're listening. And then we'll go to the sermon. And so let's read Acts 8, 1 to 25. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralysed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon, who had previously practised magic in the city, and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him, because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptised, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptised, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness, and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. And now, it's over to the children's talk. Well, hello everyone. It's good to see you all here. Now, we started last week a new series going through the book of Acts, and we learnt a new sentence to remember what is Acts all about. Okay, and it is the mission, can you do that? The mission of the risen king 
Jesus cannot be stopped. Okay? Let's try it again. The mission of the risen King Jesus cannot be stopped. Good. And we also met a new little friend. His name is Rupert. His name is Rupert. And Rupert has quite a few friends, but those guys over there are not his friends. Do you see them? Yeah. They're not. They're not his friends. Here is Percy. And Percy, he's green. And Rupert doesn't like green. And Percy is hard. And Rupert doesn't like people who are hard. Percy goes like that. And Rupert likes trains that just stay where they are. Percy is not a friend to Rupert. Here is Norbert. This is Norbert, and Norbert is also green, and Rupert doesn't like green, do you remember that? And Rupert has wings, and they crinkle. And Rupert doesn't like wings that crinkle. And Norbert breathes fire. <laughs> and Rupert doesn't like fire. Norbert is not a friend of Rupert. Here is Mr. Hootalot. And again, Mr. Hootalot flies. He's got wings. They're little wings than Norbert's, but he's got wings. And Rupert doesn't like things that fly. And he's got green on him too. Do you see that? Yeah. He doesn't like green. And he's got lots of splotches on him. Splotches? Splotches. You see all these splotches? Different coloured feathers. They're splotches of colour. And Rupert doesn't like that. He doesn't like little splotches of colour. So, Mr Hootalot is not his friend. And now, who do we have here? We've got Mr Ruffles. And Mr. Ruffles is just a bit too energetic for Rupert. He's very quick on his feet and he always wants to do something and Rupert doesn't want to always do something. He's got whiskers. That's only one whisker. Mm, there's a few there. There's, I can see two. He's got whiskers. But they're on, And they're on the same side. That's not how it's supposed to be, is it? And so... It just this is not a friend to Rupert. Then Look at all those people. Then well, he's got friends. They're just not here at the moment. But these guys are not Rupert's friends. There's so many things about them that he does not like. Now, what would happen? Now, Rupert goes to church. What do you think would happen if Mr. Ruffles? decided to come to Rupert's church. Do you think there would be problems? 
mm, I think there'll be problems. And what if Mr. Hootalot came to church as well and Norbert ugh, and Percy all the way over there, what if he decided to drive all the way down here and come to church and be at Rupert's church? Do you think it's going to be a good thing if there's a whole lot of people there who don't like one another at the same church? Is that going to be a good thing? No. 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 There'd be a lot of arguments, wouldn't there? Does Jesus want his church to be filled with a whole lot of people who don't like each other? No. No. No way. Remember, the mission of the risen King Jesus cannot be stopped. And one thing that could stop Jesus' mission, at least in a little church, at least in one local church, would be if there was a... Oh, yeah, there's another another person. One thing that would stop the mission in a local church is if the people there didn't like each other and didn't love one another. Now, in the story that Diane just read, I hope you are listening when, we, when we're reading the Bible, Diane read about a new church starting in a place called Samaria. And there was a church in Jerusalem and now there's a church in Samaria, but guess what? Those people, the people in Jerusalem and the people in Samaria, they don't like each other very much. Does Jesus want that to be the case? Does Jesus want them to be friends? Yeah, he wants them to be friends. And, you know, that's what Jesus made happen. Jesus sent his Holy Spirit so that the Samaritans and the Christians in Jerusalem would become friends. Jesus wants us to be friends with and united with the people in church, with, with all other Christians. So these, these, our new friends, should become friends. They should start to love one another because Jesus has loved them and sent his spirit to them. Okay, The mission of the risen King Jesus cannot be stopped and so we should love one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have sent your spirit and that he brings peace to your people. We pray that these kids would all be at peace with one another, friends with one another, and we pray that we would all as a church keep growing to be at peace with one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's come. And let's pray that our God would help us to understand his word. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit who has given us your word through the prophets, through the apostles. We pray now that that same spirit would be giving us wisdom to understand, wisdom to believe, wisdom to obey. Lord, give us a heart that is open to you and loving towards others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, with the Enlightenment of the 17th and 18th centuries, 
there was this expectation that grew that uh, world peace was possible. People were getting better, they thought. And even when war came in the early 20th century, it was called the war to end all wars. There was still this hope. But since then, that great war has been renamed. And so we've seen a second world war, a Cold War, Korean War, Iraq Wars, the Ukrainian War, many civil wars in Africa, and no doubt more than that you can name. There have been many attempts to bring the world together. There's been the League of Nations, the United Nations, the European Union, various international treaties. The world doesn't know peace. And that's a problem for the church. Because Jesus told his apostles in Acts 1.8 that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The world can't maintain peace. And so as the church grows and, and expands into the world, what chance does it have? How can we stay united together as the gospel breaks ethnic and cultural barriers? How can the generations in the church stay united? As people with different experiences and preferences and expectations, how can the growing church remain united? How can we, as Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church, remain united? As God willing, we grow. We have only one hope. We have a gift from God which the world does not have. As we see the gospel go out to the Samaritans in Acts 8, we see that the Spirit unites Jesus' growing church. And because the Spirit unites Jesus' growing church, the mission of the risen King Jesus cannot be stopped. First, as we travel through this chapter, we see how the church began to grow. The church grows because in verses 1 to 3, our first section, the church scatters. Verse 1, And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. In chapter 7, Stephen was on trial, facing false charges. And in his speech, he showed that they had killed the righteous one whom Moses and all the prophets had pointed forward to. And so they decided to kill Stephen, the preacher of Jesus, the first Christian martyr followed in the steps of his master. And evil breeds evil. Like mould on bread, it grows. You might have seen videos of brawls between protesters and, and counter-protesters. Usually it will start with lots of yelling and name-calling. And suddenly there's a push, a punch, 
which opens the floodgate and everyone is fighting, punching, pushing. People are on the ground, kicked, trampled. Windows are are broken, all, all because of that first punch. Stephen's stoning was the first punch. And now there's a great persecution and the church scatters. The apostles stay and verse 2 says that devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. These believers in Christ didn't hide. They didn't leave Stephen's body to rot. They braved the mob to honour the man who'd spoken boldly for Jesus and had been killed for it. That's the kind of boldness the Spirit gives. Earlier in Acts, when Peter and John had been dragged before the Jewish courts and told not to preach in Jesus' name, the church, after they'd been released, they prayed for boldness. And we're told that the Spirit filled them and they spoke God's word with boldness. Jesus wants his church to be united as it grows and suffers. And part of that unity, part of that involves boldness and being willing to stand with God's people as they suffer for God. When the media are going after someone because they cling to Christ, instead of going along with the culture, will we stand with them? These devout men risked their necks by going out to bury Stephen. Will we risk our reputations? Andrew Thorman has sort of become the the classic example of this. He was forced out of the Essendon Football Club the day after he'd been named as the CEO of of the Essendon Football Club because he was also on the board of a church which believes the classic Christian understanding of abortion and homosexuality. And the question was, when that happened, would the wider church stand with him? And with City on a Hill, the the church that he was part of, the church at the centre of the drama. Now, I'm pleased that many did, that the Presbyterian church did. But it's easy for people like me to do that, for ministers to do that. See, my employment wasn't at risk to do that. But will you do it? When a believer is slandered because they hold to the classic Christian belief, the same classic Christian belief that you do, will you stand up for them? Will you post on social media your support if you have social media? Will you write to the newspapers? Will, Will you let them know that they're not alone? That takes boldness, which only the Spirit can give. But your boldness will then inspire boldness in others. It will encourage those who are under attack. It's easy to feel alone when it feels as though all the world is against you. But to know that people are standing with you because they're your brother or sister in Christ, united in the gospel, that is encouraging That helps you to stand firm for the gospel and godliness when you are tempted to give in to Satan's temptations to give it all away. But 
We need to remember that, that we're not promised victory and vindication in this life. In verse 3, we have the man who approved of Stephen's execution now ravaging the church. It's an amazing word, isn't it? Ravishing the church. The Jerusalem church is being decimated by Saul, dragging men and women into prison for their faith in Jesus. But the mission of the risen King Jesus cannot be stopped, not even by Saul. And because of this, because the scattering of the church leads to our second section in verses 4 to 13. The Samaritans believe. Verse 4, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Have you heard of this Streisand effect? In 2003, Barbara Streisand sued a photographer and a website for violating her privacy. This website had 12,000 photographs of, of the California coastline, and in one of those photos... Uh, was her mansion. And so she wanted it removed. She didn't want people to see her mansion. She didn't want people spying out, seeing what it was like. Before the lawsuit, the photo had only been downloaded six times, two of those by her lawyer. When people heard about the case, which she lost, over 420,000 people visited the site that month. In trying to protect her privacy, she was shouting from the rooftops that people could go and have a look at her coastal mansion if they wanted. In another story of unintended consequences, the persecuted church grew as it scattered. It spreads to Judea and Samaria. And not only spreads there, not only the individuals there, it starts to take root and grow. And notice who's preaching. It's the scattered. Preaching Jesus isn't only for church leaders, it's everyone's opportunity and privilege. These people escaped the crushing persecution of Saul and his gang because they believed this gospel. But they know Jesus is king. And that he has commanded them to go, tell everyone, Jesus is the king who died and rose. Last week we imagined what it would be like if every single one of us had one conversation each week about Jesus. We're all called to preach the gospel. Not necessarily preaching here, standing behind a pulpit. But if you follow Jesus... You want to obey his command, don't you? You want to go, you want to make disciples, to be his witnesses to your unbelieving parents or, or, or spouse or children, neighbours, workmates, friends. And Luke now focuses our attention on Philip, a deacon like Stephen, following the job description of the average Christian. Verse 5 says... Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Now the Jews and Samaritans, they despised one another. This is more than the rivalry between Geelong and Hawthorne or India and Pakistan. 
The Samaritans were from the northern kingdom of Israel. Remember, they had split after Solomon, and so you've got northern Israel, you've got southern Judah, and the northern kingdom of Israel was destroyed and they were scattered throughout the nations by the Assyrians who came and decimated them in 722 BC. They were despised as half-breeds, these Samaritans, because the, the Israelites who weren't deported, they mixed with the nations who came in. So God had, God had rejected this northern kingdom, northern Israel, for idolatry. But God promised in Ezekiel 37... And if you remember Ezekiel 37, the first part of it is the valley of the dry bones when the Spirit comes and brings life. In the second part of the chapter, chapter uh, verses 21 and 22, God says, Behold, I will take the people of Israel from the nations among which they have gone and will gather them from all around and bring them to their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land, on the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king over them all, and they shall no longer be two nations, and no longer divided into two peoples, two kingdoms. See, this isn't just the story, Acts 8, it's not just the story of the gospel expanding and breaking cultural barriers. It's also the story of God reuniting Abraham's physical descendants, making them one nation under one king in the church. Verse 6. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. See, they'd been amazed by Simon the magician, but God has turned them from darkness to light. And even Simon was amazed and claimed to believe. But what was it they were believing? Look at verse 12. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptised, both men and women. Are you ready to share this message? Do you know what to say? It's not through miracles that people are saved. It's through a message. Do you know the message? If you're going to have a conversation, a Jesus conversation with someone each week, you need to know what to say, don't you? Look at Philip. He preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. There's plenty of detail that you can go into when, when sharing the gospel, but if you don't know what to say, just think of these details. The kingdom of God. God is king. We've rejected him. Jesus, he came, he died to take our punishment. God raised him to life and made him king. And if we believe and we follow him, then we are forgiven. That's the, the story of the gospel. You might not know every detail, but if you stick to that, that's enough. Now, people might ask questions, wanting more information. Don't be scared to say that you don't have the answers if you don't have the answers. Tell them that you'll find out. 
You could give me a call, or you could ask someone else here, or you could try and find out the answer for yourself. It's okay to not know everything right then. You don't need to know everything before you start telling people about Jesus. But start by knowing the basics of the gospel and share that. God is king. We rejected him. He sent Jesus to die, taking our punishment. He raised Jesus to life again. If we follow, if we believe him and follow him, we are forgiven. That was Philip's message. And it's ours. This is the message that God uses to grow his church through nobodies. Nobodies like you and nobodies like me. And this leaves us with a question. The church scattered because of the persecution and and the church spread to Samaria as those who scattered told people about Jesus. But given that, how will Jesus keep his church united? The world has no idea how. So how is Jesus going to do it as the Samaritans now believe? But we see how. In verses 14 to 25, our third section, the Holy Spirit falls. Just think, what could have happened when the Jerusalem church heard that the Samaritans were now believing in Jesus? These people that they had grown up despising. And now they hear that one of the Greek-speaking Jews has gone over to them and has evangelised them, and they were now claiming to believe. It would have been very easy for the apostles to dismiss them, to reject them. But the Spirit unites Jesus' growing church. The church has burst a huge theological and, and cultural boundary And so the apostles send representatives to check it out, see what's going on. And these representatives, Peter, John, they find that these Samaritans, they are genuine believers, but they haven't received the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, they'd only been baptised in the name of Jesus, and so they, they pray for them, lay hands on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. Now what's going on there? First, let's think about what's not being said. When it says that the Samaritans hadn't received the Holy Spirit, that's not saying that the Holy Spirit hadn't been active in their lives, hadn't been active in them at all. Because people can't believe at all unless the Holy Spirit is working on them, unless the Holy Spirit brings them to faith. This isn't saying that Philip made a mistake. Verse 16 says that they were only baptised in the name of Jesus. It's not saying, oh, if only he had said the threefold name. If only he had baptised them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit would have come. It's not saying that. Because back in Acts 2, Peter tells the crowd to be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ. It's just shorthand. It's shorthand for Christian baptism. It doesn't give the full Trinitarian name every time. It's shorthand for Christian baptism. And we can't use this passage to say that this is the normal experience for the Christian today. That the normal experience is to believe and then a little bit afterwards to have this 
fantastical experience with the Holy Spirit. See, that's the kind of thing that I grew up with in, in the church that, in, and in churches that I grew up around. I always wanted this experience. And I felt inadequate because I never had. When I was at a large Christian conference, everyone who hadn't spoken in tongues were encouraged to come up the front and they would pray for you to receive it. And so I did that. I went with many others down the front and people around me, they started speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, having this experience, not me. And, and then people around me, as they're speaking in tongues, they're putting their hands on me and praying. And, and I still didn't have this experience. Nothing happened. But Acts describes unique events in the church. The gospel has broken the barrier into the Samaritan world. And the experiences throughout Acts, are, they're all different anyway. As, as you read them, they're all different. Sometimes the Holy Spirit falls after baptism, sometimes before. Sometimes with the laying on of hands and there's mention of tongues and other times there's not. So why did it happen this way? So that Peter and John, apostles, leaders of the church in Jerusalem, could be there to authenticate their faith. That the Samaritans have been accepted by Jesus just like they had been. It also happened so that Samaritans could see that they are united to the Jerusalem church. They weren't their own thing. They were joined together to the, the Jerusalem church by the Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit when they were in fellowship with the Jerusalem church. But despite the newfound unity between the Jewish and the Samaritan believers, there was a problem. Simon. See, he'd been amazed at Philip's power. Verse 13, and now he's amazed by the apostles' power. The Samaritans had called him, Simon had called him great because of his magic, but now he wants to be great by being able to impart the Holy Spirit. Peter looks at this and he sees that not all is right with Simon. He needs to repent. His heart isn't right before God, he is a false convert. He wants power for himself, not glory for God. He is exposed. And so not even Simon, the, the magician, this false convert, not even he can stop the mission of the risen King Jesus. In this passage, we see the rejoining of Judah and Samaria in the church under the great King Jesus. But what can we Church in Eagle Hawk, 2023. What can we learn from this? Well, we have been praying for years that God would bring revival to us. That we would grow. That we would grow in numbers, in finances, in spiritual health. That we would see people coming to faith and serving and becoming leaders, elders, deacons. And we have seen growth throughout the years. Look around us, we see growth. We have grown. It, it, it's exciting to look out and to see you all. But with growth 
comes the danger of disunity, arguments, and tension. How will the older members react? And when I say older, I don't just mean in age, but just those who have been here for a while. How will they react to the newer members coming in? And if we were to start doing things differently, will the newer members strive to love the older ones? See, we've already introduced new songs. We've had them for a while, and no doubt there will be more songs to come. What if someone wants to serve by playing the guitar? Or even the drums? Are we going to reject that because that's not really what we like? Will we see that change as a sign that the church is going downhill? Or will we rejoice that God has gifted these people to worship him in these ways and they want to use the gifts that God has given them that will be able to make even more of a joyful noise to the Lord when we follow the call of Psalm 150 to to praise God with, with crashing cymbals and string instruments? What if people from other cultures come? Will we love and welcome them? Eat their food at the church lunch? Will we invite them into our homes? We could be tempted to avoid them, to stick to talking to people who have English as their first language because that is just easier and it takes a whole lot less patience. The Spirit unites Jesus' growing church. We don't want cliques with, with old, the older group in, in one group and, and the newer people forming their own group. We want to be integrated. We want to be one body. We want to be intergenerational, loving one another. These new people might have different ideas about how we can reach our community. Will we listen? Or will we just keep doing what we've always done? and expecting them, these newer people, to to conform to us instead of us actually learning from one another? What if they struggle socially? What if they smell because they live on the street? As new people come in, the devil will attack, tempting us to be selfish, concerned about our own preferences, as if that's the only way that things should ever be done here. But Jesus so loved us that he went to the cross. Jesus wants his church to be united in that same love. In John 13, 35, he said, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another if you care for, sacrifice for, and put their desires and preferences above your own, if both groups are willing to love the other, God will be glorified and this church will grow by his grace. The mission of the risen King Jesus cannot be stopped because the Spirit unites Jesus' growing church. And so let's strive for that unity. Let's pray. Our God, we do pray that we would be united in Christ, in the gospel. 
Lord, may we not be a people known for our selfishness and our standoffishness, but Lord, may we be welcoming and loving and gracious. May we be kind. Lord, we pray that new people would indeed come. And Lord, as they stay because uh, they grow to love the people and to love the gospel being preached, we pray that we would love them by listening to them and, and perhaps different things that could happen, different things that we could do. We pray that we would love them and their culture, that we would welcome them and receive them, that they would not feel on the outer as second class. Lord, whatever age people are as they come in, may we be united together. May the oldies love the young ones and may the young ones love the oldies. Our God, we long to be united together. We thank you for the unity that is already here. And we pray that you would indeed continue and uphold that unity among us as we pray more people come in, as new believers come to faith. Our God, may we be united by your spirit in the gospel of peace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church, and I pray you've been blessed as you've spent this time in God's Word. Next week, we'd love to have you join us in person for our service at 10am. I hope to see you there. And as always, if you'd like to make a comment on what you've heard today, you have a question, or you're looking for a church, then please get in contact with us. Our website is eaglehawkpc.org.au. You can also contact us through Facebook or Instagram. God bless you.